0: Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, brought to you by Ninety Min. As ever, I'm your host Harry Simeon. On this edition, we're going to be reflecting on Arsenal's one 0 defeat to Spurs in the last of our pre-season friendlies. Arsenal travelled to the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, or the Shithole, depending on what you want to call it, uh, for the last of their pre-season friendlies. As I say, it was part of the Mind series. Um, Really good cause, obviously. Um, obviously good to kind of test yourself against the kind of opposition that you want to be competing with as well going into the season. So I was actually quite, you know, up for it. I was quite pleased that we were playing these types of fixtures. I know a lot of Arsenal fans were kind of sitting there going, why the hell are we meeting Spurs in a pre-season friendly? Why do we want to take on Spurs, you know, just before this, the kind of curtain raises for the Premier League? And for me, it's a pre-season friendly, first of all. And yes, you never want to lose to that lot. I never, ever, ever uh, want to lose to them. But it's a preseason friendly. So everything I'm going to say on tonight's show has to be with the caveat of this is a preseason friendly. But there are some concerns, you know, and we've talked about it over the last few days. We've talked a lot about Arsenal not necessarily being ready in terms of the transfer business that we've done so far and how we've improved the squad but that it's not been enough as the you know the premier league is just around the corner brentford to come on friday night but i mean it's uh i I don't even know where to begin on this one because i actually thought that apart from the first sort of 10 minutes of the game in the first half anyway Arsenal were the better side. I thought Arsenal started a little bit shaky. We tried to press high up the pitch on a couple of occasions and we got ourselves uh, caught out, dispossessed by Tottenham. They would bring the ball down the other end. They had a couple of opportunities and then Arsenal just really grew into the game, I thought, and really settled and started to dictate the play and were moving the ball around nicely and Alexander Lacazette had a couple of moments. There was that brilliant ball from Kieran Tierney, wasn't there, from the left-hand side, getting forward the way he does so frequently. There was that shot from Lacazette from outside the box that hit the post. And and I went into half time, kind of sitting there going, yeah, you know, this isn't bad. This isn't bad. And we saw the side, you know, it was Leno in goal. It was Beller in at right back. It was uh, Ben White alongside Pablo Marie with Kierantini at left back. The midfield duo was Lokonga and Xhaka. And I was really interested, particularly to see how those two guys would get on because I'm not a massive fan of Mohamed Elneny. I don't think that Arsenal should start the season with Mohamed Elneny at the heart of their midfield. And I look at Albert Laconga and I see what he brings to the table and we've seen him in a few preseason games now. And I think we've seen enough to suggest that he is a little bit more mature than maybe I'd given him credit for when he first signed for the club. I think he's got a lot of really good qualities. I do think uh, and just like Adrian Clark said on the breakdown live, I do think that he is a little bit lightweight at times in the midfield at this stage, but I think he'll get used to that physicality and the level of physicality that the Premier League requires. And I think he'll develop very young as well. Then we moved further forward and it was Aubameyang from the left again with Lacazette through the middle, Pepe on the right and Emile Smith-Rowe playing just off of uh, Alexander Lacazette. But again, Aubameyang, as I talked about, You know, a few days ago being shoehorned into the side to play in that position, a position I don't necessarily think gets the best out of him anymore. I think Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang two, three years ago marauding down that left-hand side with that incredible pace and that ability to exploit spaces was a real weapon. But I think as he's changing, um, you know, he's obviously getting on a little bit in terms of years not by normal standards, but by football standards, certainly. And you're looking at him and you wonder if he's still got that explosion of pace, if he's still got that ability to get away from people as easily as he once did. And you've got to say he really doesn't look the same kind of player. I I thought in the first half there were a couple of moments where I looked at Aubameyang and I thought, right, that's better. More of that. We want to see more of that from Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Overall, again, largely ineffective, and I don't mean to dig out Pierre Emerick uh specifically. I don't think we can really dig out many players specifically off the back of this latest defeat. I think the biggest concern for me here is that the season is less than a week away, and okay, the preseason results haven't been great, and as I always say, let's not read into them too much. Let's not pretend that they have any impact on our season because they don't. You know, we've had years where we've had abysmal pre-seasons and we've gone on and won Premier League titles. By that same token, we've had years where we've had great pre-seasons and, and had a really poor finish in the Premier League. So it's really um, it's really hard to kind of to to stop yourself falling off of the edge when you're kind of complaining and criticising a performance like that because of the fact it was against Spurs. But I do think you've got to wind it back a little bit. Having said that, I have got concerns now going into the season, you know, and it's not just about transfer business. It's about the things I'm seeing on the pitch from the players that we have. It's about the things that I'm seeing Arsenal do wrong every single time they take to the field. It's about that lack of cutting edge. It's about that inability to turn possession into clear-cut chances and then into goals. And I've seen a lot of people on social media um, talking about uh, the fact that we need new strikers, the fact that we need to change the, the you know, the players that we have at our disposal. Lacazette, Bamiang obviously the two standout options. But for me, it's more of the fact that we're not creating the right type of chances for the players that we've got. What is Pierre-Emerick Bamiang's strength? Pierre-Emerick Bamiang loves to run in behind. Playing him in that position where he's not the furthest man forward makes it very difficult to play him in behind. Alexander Lacazette, I think, is best on the turn. And yet most of our play goes in the wide areas. We work spaces in those positions. We put balls into the box and nor Lacazette nor Obamiang are going to rise like a salmon and head one in and into the far corner. So I feel like we're not It's not that they're bad strikers. I think if you look at their goal return last season, when a lot of people were, especially of Aubameyang, incredibly critical, actually he scored a decent amount of goals. So did Alexander Lacazette. So for me, it's not necessarily that. It's about the type of chances we're creating. Those chances are not the right types of chances for the players we've got. And it's why I've been saying, haven't I, throughout the summer, that Arsenal kind of need a hybrid striker between the two. He's got a bit of both of what they bring to the table but also a presence in the penalty area or at least that instinct inside the box to get into the right areas you know whether it's to come across the near post hang back at the far post drop back onto the penalty spot we need someone that is is a presence in the box but equally the players around him will understand what is he is that it want it is sorry that they want him to he wants them to do with the ball confusing my words and um and and it's a bit of an issue at the moment. There's a bit of a disconnect, isn't there, between the way Aubameyang wants to play, the way Yang likes to play, and the role that he is being put into in this team. I would argue there's a bit of a disconnect with Lacazette as well, because I do think that while Lacazette is great when he drops that a little bit deeper and gets involved in play and spins on the turn, as I've said, we need someone who's going to be attacking the penalty area a little bit more aggressively and attacking certain areas of the opposition goal, i.e. the near post or the back post. Like I just said, that little bit more aggression in the penalty area is really needed. And I don't think we have it with those strikers. And that's the that's the problem. But equally, would I throw Foller and Balogun in from the start of the Premier League season? Absolutely not. Would I throw Eddie Nketiah in? No, I wouldn't. So it's a hard one, isn't it? Because it means Arsenal going out and bringing in another striker. Problem is that there are so many other positions that Arsenal need to cover between now and the end of the transfer window that you start to worry and, and, you know, I guess figure out how the hell they're going to do all of this in in what's left of the transfer window. And I think the sensible answer or the sensible conclusion to draw is that they're not going to do all of this in this window. And a lot of people are going to be left unhappy off the back of that. But we only want to see progress. We're not asking for the world. We're not asking for Arsenal to win the Premier League next season. We're not asking for Arsenal to win the Champions League this season. After that, we are looking to see Arsenal develop under Mikel Arteta. And okay, preseason hasn't shown us that. And it's concerned a lot of people. It's worried a lot of people, including myself. The real test is, is on Friday. And the games that are going to follow that in the Premier League, it has to be better. It has to be better. I can see lots of you in the chat um, saying excuses, um, saying I'm just looking through the chat now saying excuses, saying that preseason me saying preseason results don't matter is BS, um, etc, etc. Well, no. Preseason results don't matter because history proves that. History tells us that. Go and have a look at the Arsenal's preseason ahead of the two thousand and three two thousand and four season, our greatest ever uh, Premier League season, our greatest ever season as a football club. Go and have a look at the preseason results of that. That is the proof in the pudding that preseason results don't really matter. Do they help? Yeah, maybe. Maybe they help build momentum in the lead up to a campaign. Maybe they help certain players gain confidence, gain rhythm, gain sharpness, etc. Of course they do in other ways. But, you know, if we go and beat Brentford on Friday night, is anybody going to be crying that we didn't beat Spurs in a friendly? No. And that's the point here. I guess for me, as I've talked about, you, you know, number of concerns. I talked a lot about the wide areas. I talked a lot about the fact that we are very kind of predictable in the way we play. It is all about creating those overloads in the wide spaces, whether that's with Kieran Tierney, whether that's with Hector Bellerin on the other side and getting balls into the box and trying to put balls into the right areas. And it's just, as I say, too predictable. What you end up playing against, and Nuno Espirito Santo is a very good defensive coach, in my opinion, and he he, he recognised what we were going to do, and he tucks that back four in just a little bit narrower than usual and allows his centre-half to just clear those balls for fun. Those poor crosses that we're putting into the penalty area, looking for a striker with zero aerial presence. And it's just too predictable. It's too dull and it's too easy. And listen, Mikel Arteta, you know, he talks a big game. He's talked the big game ever since he's joined the club. And now we're at a place where he's got to deliver. And it's now or never. It's now, or you're going to get the boot. It's as simple as that. Because we all kind of heard that Arsenal were going to back in massively in the transfer window. And I still think Arsenal will do transfer business between now and when it slams shut. But the reality is, we haven't been able to do enough of it prior to the season kicking off. We haven't been able to do enough of it in terms of moving players out. And I know that there is another side to that. You need people to come in and sign your players. But it's just not moving quick enough. The process, if you like, is too slow. It's not fluid enough. It's not been accelerated enough. And as I've said time and time again, at a football club of this size, you cannot, you simply cannot, um, you know, you cannot have all the time in the world. That's just the way it works. It's just the way it works. I thought defensively we were a little bit suspect today, um, and and I always worry when when you can dominate a game in terms of possession in the first half, the second part of the first half, uh, just to be clear, yet the best opportunities still fall to your opponents. You know, Tottenham went incredibly close on a couple of occasions in that first period. They went close in the second period as well and eventually broke the deadlock. And all the while the Arsenal were looking comfortable, looking in control, playing quite high up the pitch, which is where we wanted to be, it was always Tottenham that looked the more threatening. And that was exactly what we were seeing throughout last season. We were seeing Arsenal take on opponents, dominate the ball, dominate possession, look as if they're fully in control and bang, one lapse in concentration, one moment and the opposition have scored. Why don't we have that ruthless killer instinct? Why don't we get in and around opposition's penalty areas and, and make the most of it and make those situations count? You know, I've I've kind of defended Obamiang and Lacazette by saying that I don't necessarily think that either of them is the striker that we need if we're going to, of course, persist in playing this way. But equally, they've got to be more threatening. The players around them have got to be more threatening. We need more goals from Emil Smith Rowe. We need more goals and, con- and and assists from Bukayo Saka. Nicola Pepe chipped in a fair few last season, but we need him to continue that. We need him to take that form forward. But then you know, we took some players off today, made some, in my opinion, really strange changes. And we're going to come on and talk about those in just a couple of minutes time. But first of all, uh, what I want to do is just go over to the live chat box because I can see it is absolutely popping off. So I want to get some of your comments and some of your thoughts before we carry on. Um, Just a quick reminder, though, before we do that, this podcast is brought to you by manscaped.com so for all your male grooming needs head over to manscaped check out all their fantastic products i can tell you the lawnmower 4.0 is one not to be missed get involved get your nether regions sorted out trim lush flush looking good for the summer and uh, you can do that by using our discount code 19min20 which will save you 20% off and give you free worldwide shipping what more could you want Your partner will thank me. I promise you. Check it out, manscaped.com. And we thank them for their very, very kind sponsorship. Let's uh, take on uh, some of your questions. Uh, Let's take this one first from Side. It's a super chat. He says, Harry, do you think Emil Smith-Rowe is more like a winger plus playmaker? I think he's better on the left wing with Kieran Tierney. A lot of Arsenal fans have been talking quite openly on social media. I've seen over the last kind of week or so, sort of in... Response to the rumors linking us with James Madison that they were worried that Emil Smithrow was going to get pushed out to a wide position. While I think I probably prefer him in a central position, I don't think he's bad from the left either. I think he's he, he can be actually quite effective there. I think the way he drives and carries the ball in field would create those spaces for somebody like Kieran Tierney. We saw it happen time and time again last season, uh, when of course the pair were fit and operating down the same side. I think there's a lot of good in Emil Smith-Rowe's game, and I think he can do that role, yes. Um, I wouldn't be against moving him out to the left-hand side if it meant that Arsenal got in a top, top draw uh, central attacking midfield player, because I think we are still lacking that. I think Smith-Rowe will go on to be one, but he isn't one just yet. And the problem where I've been talking about how Arsenal's are too focused on playing down the flanks and it's all the same pattern of play over and over and over again. And it's predictable and we all know what's coming. I think having that player who can provide that spark and that imagination in a central area could be key this season in terms of improving Arsenal's fortunes. Because, you know, I think that we're desperately crying out for, for something like that, someone like that. I think just touching on the defence quickly before we move on to another couple of comments. You know, Pablo Marie, not looking entirely convincing at the moment. I've got to give credit where it's due to um, to Ben White because I thought Ben White had a good game for the period that he was on the pitch, mostly. I think he made a couple of of errors, but I think his reading of the game was really good. I thought he was confident in the way he was stepping out of the defence with the ball at his feet, kept us ticking in terms of our passing. So I was quite encouraged by what I saw uh, from Ben White today, I have to say. So uh, fair play to him on his uh, a full Arsenal debut. Um, let's take a couple more bits and pieces. Alex says, Harry, why is most of the blame directed at Arteta's door and not Edu's? I know both are at fault for their own mistakes, but Arteta simply cannot do anything with this group. Yeah, look, the, the issues at Arsenal Football Club run much deeper than one man. It's not just Mikel Arteta. Equally, it's not just Edu. Equally, it's not just Stan Kroenke. It's a culmination of all of those things. That mean right now we're not in a position where any of us can hand on our heart, go into the campaign and the new campaign and say, yeah, I think we're going to do all right here. I don't know about you, but I'm not confident at this moment in time. And I probably was a lot more confident a couple of weeks ago. I thought about the business we'd done. I thought about Ben White coming in, how he improved the defence and how he could go on to be a stalwart in Arsenal's back line for many years to come talked about Albert Sambi-Laconga, a player that I actually really like and think will develop to a very good level. And I talked about Nuno Tavares coming in, you know, really good, competent backup to Kieran Tierney, who brings a physicality to our side like nobody else that we've got at present. Good signing, but it's not enough. And this is the thing, you know, Mike Stavroux said it on the show when we were talking about a week ago. He said, we haven't improved the first 11 enough. And that was absolutely spot on. That was absolutely 100% correct. And unless we're going to do that in the next week, you know, you're going to go into the new season, not particularly optimistic. And I wouldn't blame you for that. All I'm saying that because people always say that I make excuses for Arsenal. They never used to say that when Unai Emra is in charge, but they say it now. People tell me that I'm I'm making excuses and why am I trusting the club? I, I don't trust anyone um, within the club right now, to be honest. Not fully, anyway. I, I, I think people like Edu and Arteta have got the right intentions. Whether they're good enough at their jobs, though, remains to be seen. But it's not me making excuses. It's I think when you're criticizing something before it's failed, it is that's that's negative because you don't know that it's going to fail yet. You're predicting it's going to fail, and a lot of the time. When you make a prediction, it's, you know, it's, it's going with your heart and and going with your gut. And sometimes your gut can be wrong. I've, I've seen in the past that, you know, it's been wrong at times for me anyway. And I think we've got to look at the side and give them a chance this season to at least, you know, kill all this doubt that seems to be around them for Mikel Arteta to prove himself to those doubters. He's going to get the opportunity, whether we like it or not, whether you like it, whether I like it or not. So being negative and putting the guy down and putting his players down before that we've even kicked the competitive football this season, I think is a little bit OTT. However, having said that, I don't think there's anything wrong with having some doubts and some concerns. And I think what we've seen over the last week in terms of a lack of real significant transfer activity, Um, You know, rumours about Lautaro Martinez, a player that we're all really keen to see come. And now Tottenham are said to be in for him, which is obviously terrible news. But then look, there's so much that you can kind of, you can take away from this summer from an Arsenal perspective so far and, and use that to kind of fuel that negative fire because there is a lot of it. But equally, I think there are things to be optimistic about, not based on today's game, which is what we're talking about, but in general, I think there are some things that you have to look at and say, OK, I think we've we've made the right move there. I think we have made the right move in signing players in the profile of Ben White, of Lokonga, of Tavares. I think that's the right way to go. But now you've got to make it work, Mikel. Now you've got to make it happen. And now you've got to get Arsenal back to competing to a level that the club or, or us as fans, because we are the club feel is at least acceptable because we're nowhere near there at the moment and it's a big big worry it's a big big concern um I'm going to come on to talk about uh some of uh the players that that took part today because I've got a, a point on this that I just wanted to kind of put across to you guys and actually see what what you guys think about it and that point is with regards to Hector Bellerin, is with regards to Ainsley Maitland-Niles um, and, and multiple others, actually, because in the lead-up to this season, I think we were all of the impression that Hector Bellerin is going to leave the club this summer, that Arsenal working behind the scenes to make that deal happen so that Hector Bellerin can go and play his football sweat. that Hector Bellerin doesn't want to be at Arsenal anymore, that he's ready for a new challenge, that he asked to leave the club last season. And it didn't happen. It didn't materialise. The club, Mikel Arteta specifically, convinced him to stay. So there's lots of uncertainty and lots of speculation around Hector Bellerin's future now. Yet he starts our final pre-season friendly before we kick off the big Premier League campaign. So where are we on Hector Bellerin here? I'm confused as to what the club's stance is on Hector Behring. Is he the first choice right back again? Callum Chambers came on and Callum Chambers came on at centre-back because obviously Rob Holding is is out and of course Gabriel is out. Fine, Callum Chambers can play in that position. But then Ainsley Maitland-Niles comes on at right back before Cedric does. Yet throughout the summer, we've heard reports that Cedric has really, really impressed Mikel Arteta and that Cedric could be in line to start at Brentford. But now Maitland-Niles seems to have leapfrogged him in the pecking order. You move into some of the other positions and, and you're looking at it and you're going, these are players that... We don't even know if they're going to be here at the start of the new season. And the very fact that they're even involved, that they're even involved in Arsenal fixtures at this point. When there is so much speculation, so many rumours and so many links to those players joining other clubs, tells you all you need to know about how much unfinished business there is in terms of incomings and outgoings at the football club at this stage. It is a real concern and it is a real problem. You know, you've got uncertainty and that filters through, you know, it filters through the group. It filters through the squad. Mikel Arteta spoke in his uh, post-match press conference about Joe Willick. He was asked about Joe Willick, who, of course, was left out of the squad today. And he said that when I know more, I will let you know. And, of course, the talk and the rumours and the chat and the kind of uh, circus around his potential move to Newcastle United is gathering pace It's gathering momentum and I think that will deal will probably happen now because of what's happened you know because Mikel Arteta didn't give an alternative reason for Joe Willett being out he basically said I'll let you know more when I can which basically says to us that he is leaving so just to kind of summarize before we go into your questions because we are going to do that as well but just to summarize what did I see from Arsenal today I saw a lot of the same issues that Arsenal had last season. An inability to create chances when funnelling our play through the middle, an inability to get our strikers into the positions in which they can do the most damage. Instead, we're limiting them to kind of speculative efforts from the edge of the penalty area a lot of the time. We're seeing the ball not necessarily moving quick enough. I think we saw a couple of fragile moments at the back. With a couple of players being involved, we saw Arsenal have lots of the ball without making it into anything more and then getting done by uh, a goal at the other end. And and fair play to Spurs, right? You know, they they deserved it on the balance of the entire fixture. But going in at half-time, I was actually quite optimistic. Not completely satisfied, but quite positive, quite optimistic about the direction of travel. I thought Arsenal were a lot more aggressive in the way they as a team pushed up the pitch today. The way that Granit Xhaka's position was slightly more advanced to what it normally is said to me that Arsenal had been instructed to be a little bit more on the front foot in the way they played. And I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing, but Spurs found it really easy to then pick us off. Because if you're going to play that way, if you're going to squeeze teams up, then that press has to be effective, has to be impactful. It has to win you the ball back to prevent your opponent simply bypassing you with a long ball over the top or playing their way around you. And Tottenham did that on a few occasions. And it makes me feel like when I look back at last season and and Mikel Arteta was quite defensive and dropping people, um, you know, sort of in front of that back line, it... For me, it wasn't the ideal approach, but you can see why he did it. You know, he was trying to bring that greater defensive stability and it worked to a degree because you've seen with this group, when we try and be that little bit more aggressive and push up, it just doesn't work. And, and just to, to Ras in the chat, who says, uh, please stop lying. That team didn't have any aggression. When I say aggression, I'm talking about in terms of their positioning. I did say that aggression in terms of their positioning, i.e. pushing higher up the pitch than they normally would. I'm not saying that they went around kicking absolute lumps out of people. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so that's kind of my summary. You know, it's frustrating. It's disappointing. It's always horrible to lose against Spurs. I think for me, the result is the least of my worries, though I've got to be honest. the, The result is not my concern here. My concern is about how do Arsenal improve this team enough by the time this transfer window closes? You know, In an ideal world, you'd like to have all your recruits in before the big kickoff, but that's not going to happen now. So we've got to be clever. And this next three weeks is going to be massive for Arsenal Football Club and for Mikel Arteta, who, if things don't improve dramatically and sharpish, is going to find himself under a lot of pressure. Right, get your comments in the chat box, uh, your questions, I should say. Leave a little cue at the beginning. I'll pick up as many of those as i possibly can uh between now and the end of the stream uh, i can see there are 79 of you watching live right now but uh, sorry there are 79 likes right now but there's over 400 of you watching us live so my question is why haven't you hit the like button please do it really really helps the channel if you haven't subscribed yet already please do subscribe as well because We're approaching 15,000, which would be an incredible landmark, and we'd love to get there sooner rather than later. So please, please do hit that like button, subscribe to the channel if you're new, and if you want to go one further by becoming a member, you can do so. So not a great day at the office for Arsenal Football Club, not the kind of day that we wanted. Yes, it's a pre-season friendly, and it shouldn't be something that we completely take to heart and we shouldn't overreact upon it. As a result of it being a pre-season friendly but it has raised some causes for concern and i think a lot of people watching on today will have looked at that team will have looked at that performance and feel it's more of the same and that's the biggest worry because that would show that actually we're not necessarily moving forward right let's take some of your questions uh from the chat box um chris says don't you think we need a central midfielder to partner parte at I just think that, yeah, look, we need a centre midfielder. I agree that we need a centre midfielder. I don't know whether that means you drop Xhaka out of the side. It depends who the centre midfielder you bring in is. Does it mean that Lokonga never going to get a look in? I don't know. I just think we need more competition in that area. And we need a little bit more variety in terms of the type of players that we've got available to us in that position. I don't particularly like Mohamed Del Neni, not because I don't like the guy. I think he's fantastic. I think his attitude's brilliant, but I just don't think he's at the level required. Lokonga is someone who's a prospect and will develop and will only get better. And so I'm happy for us to stick with him, but I do think we need another experienced midfielder to come in because as it stands, we're only one injury or one suspension away from having a really average midfield. And it's the most important area of the pitch and you simply can't have that. Walad says, Harry, I don't care about the loss, but can you please tell me anything different from last year? The same defensive errors and no pattern of attack. Sorry, but Arteta is out of his depth. Very hard to disagree with you there, Walad. It is very hard to disagree with you. As I've already said, a lot of the same. And that's a big problem. It's a big concern. And, um, you know, you can be sure that if we start the season in that vein, there'll be a lot of disgruntled Arsenal fans. There'll be a lot of voices calling for Mikel Arteta to be sacked. And if this season doesn't go uh well, you know, we've got the there's there's no European football to distract us. In theory, there's more time on the training ground for Mikel Arteta to embed his ideas, to get his ideas and thoughts across. And his coaching really needs to show now because you know, the longer this transfer window goes on, the more we're starting to worry about whether we're actually going to be able to get those top-caliber uh, uh, sort of recruits in. And if we don't, then we're going to be heavily reliant on Mikel Arteta getting his tactics white, right from week to week and bringing it and uh, sort of getting the most out of the players that he currently has. Uh, Tom Walter says, I used to feel crap after a game. Now I just feel f- sorry for all the Arsenal YouTubers that have to put up with the negativity. Uh, Leon Dyer says, Harry, why does the club seem to treat the fans like idiots? yeah you know there is um there is a bit of that for sure um you know you're looking at it and you're hearing what the club are saying the noises that the club are making of course Charles Watts reported that the club are uh telling people or urging people not to judge them until the end of the window or well, they're talking a big game a bit like Mikel Arteta so they're going to need to deliver and the longer this transfer window goes on and the more we get linked to players and then we hear of that those links disappearing and fading away and maybe contract talks or negotiations with the particular clubs are breaking down. The more frustrated people are getting and the more unrealistic it is probably to believe that Arsenal are going to get all the business they need to get done. Uh, Junior Gunner says the mood around the club stinks. The fans are fed up. I feel like the negativity around us will translate into poor performances and these gutless players don't have it in them to turn it around. Uh, what else have we got here? Uh, Nico says, who do we get if Arteta gets fired? I'm not sure any top manager will want this poison chalice of a team and club. It's hard because I don't think we should speculate on who would come in until Mikel Arteta is gone. And not because I don't think, you know, you're within your rights to want him gone or want him replaced, but just because the market can change dramatically, can't it? You can often find certain managers become available because things maybe haven't gone the way they had hoped at a certain club or or for any number of reasons really and you can sometimes be presented with an opportunity that you feel would be right for your football club so it's a bit difficult to name names and name specifics at this point Mikel Arteta is still in charge and you know I keep making this point but while he's in charge I'm not saying you've got to agree with every decision he makes I'm not saying you've got to go around telling everybody that he's the best coach in the world but I do think that, especially if you're attending the games, if you're in the stadiums, I th- I do think that you have a responsibility to get behind the team as a supporter, I genuinely do. And you can slag X, Y and Z off on your way home uh, or in the pub afterwards, but you need to, when you're in the ground, be behind these players, support them and, and show them the love because they're in a difficult place. They're navigating Arsenal for a really difficult time or trying to anyway. And, you know, somebody like, let's say, Albert Sambi-Laconga is a young man who's come in to develop, to further his career. And they're having to deal with this weight of expectation from a really demanding fan base that isn't accepting of where the club currently find themselves. So we got to be mindful of the fact that there are a lot of young players coming through and that we're trying to help them and we're trying to develop them so that they can go on and take Arsenal back to where they need to be. But I just think inside the stadium, there is a responsibility among the fans to be really um, behind the side. Um, After the game, you can slag them off. Before the game, you can slag them off, of course. But I think uh, during the game, we need to. Uh, Chris McD says, do you think Arteta can see the issues that we all see? It really doesn't seem like it. It's like a parent protecting their child, even though their child is bad. Yeah, it does feel a little bit like that at times, doesn't it? It it does. And... um, Even Mikel Arteta's biggest fan would have to admit that. There have been many moments, I think, over the course of his tenure where we've looked at him and gone, really? Do you you really believe that? Or are you just saying that publicly? Do you really feel like we were the better team every single week, even when we don't win games, even when teams outplay us? We've, We've been in games where we've conceded two, three goals and Mikel Arteta's come out and said that we were the better team. And it's a little bit like, come on, we weren't born yesterday. And, um, you know, who are you kidding? Uh, Let's see what else we've got in the chat box. Um, Rattle says, uh, Wenger really did screw this team up and it's hard to make this team work. Incredibly harsh, in my opinion, to still be pinning this on Arsene Wenger. Um, Did he make mistakes? Yes, he did. But Arsenal are the football club they are today, size-wise, because of Arsene Wenger. Arsenal are a global football club because of Arsene Wenger. They weren't before. um, You know, yes, people had an interest in English Premier League from other countries, but it wasn't until Arsene Wenger came in that the club went to a a whole new level. And even the biggest George Graham fans and all of that will have to agree with that because it was just a different time. You know, Arsenal are a juggernaut in football because of the success that we had over Arsene Wenger's what? 22 year period a lot of it was in the first half of that tenure yes agreed but that success and that brand of football is why Arsenal was seen as the club that they're seen by by so many in Europe at the moment so yes he did make some mistakes and some of those mistakes are still in our squad but to to pin it all on Arsen Wenger I think is massively uh massively OTT um what else have we got here? This one from Izzy. I'll take this one uh, as the final question. Would you shift Pepe out if an offer of around 25 million came in? I certainly would. Every time he's on the pitch, his transfer epitomizes everything that went wrong over the last couple of years. No, I wouldn't. um, I wouldn't shift him out because I actually think he's going to come good this season. I really do. Um, I'm really confident that We're going to see more from him this time around. I think in the second half of last season, we saw a lot more from Nicola Pepe, a lot more of what we'd hoped we'd see when we broke the bank to sign him. Um, You know, the fee was over the top. We all know that now. We all know that it was crazy money. We all know that we overpaid. But I thought towards the back end of last season, he was one of our better players. And I expect him to push on. If he doesn't push on, I'm going to be bitterly disappointed. And I think we we then have to consider maybe where we are with Nicolas Pepe. But, you know, if if Nicolas Pepe can replicate the form he showed at the back end of last season, then why would you want to move him out for a price of like £25 million? It's going to cost you double that, maybe even more, to bring in a player who produces the same outputs in terms of goals and assists that Nicolas Pepe does. And, and I just think there are way more priorities, uh, way more important areas or, or positions in which we need to prioritise. So, yeah. Um, no, I'd, I'd keep hold of him. I I don't think he's a problem at the moment. You know what? I'm going to take one more question. Um, let's see, uh, what we've got here. There's lots in the chat box. I'm trying to pick one. That's maybe a little bit different. Um, to uh, to some of the stuff we've already discussed. Let's take this one from Charlie. Just joined late sir so, uh, just joined late to the party uh, after that performance what is more urgent a central midfielder or a striker look lacking big time up top. I think it's both Charlie. I think it's both and that's why it's such a big worry and a big concern because I think you look at the strikers that we've got and you know they are decent strikers, you know, you got a 50 and a 60 million pound striker there. Both of whom Scored at least 15 goals each last season and who, in my opinion, just we're not getting the best out of them. I think we're getting more out of Lacazette, though, having said that, than we are of Aubameyang. I think Lacazette's season last season was was probably his best in an Arsenal shirt with Mikel Arteta obviously at the helm. But there's still something about Lacazette that is missing for me, and that is that little bit of a killer instinct Inside and around the penalty areas, brilliant with all the link-up play, and every now and again you'll see him rifle one in at the near post into the roof of the net, leaving the goalkeeper helpless. But we don't see enough of that ruthlessness from Alexander Lacazette over the course of an entire season uh, for him to kind of fire us into the top four or be a big key part in that. Aubameyang, we know he can score goals; he's done it throughout his career, but he's been shoehorned into a side at the moment and we're not getting the best out of him. And I just think when you look at those two players, they're good players, but are they the right fit for the way we're trying to play? Are they the right fit for the patterns of play and the build-up style that Mikel Arteta's clearly tried to embed into this team? And I would argue they're not. And sometimes you try and put square pegs in round holes, it just don't work. And that's what we've got with a lot of players at the moment. And that's why I'm frustrated because we are, talking about one of the key areas on the pitch up front. And we've given Aubameyang the new contract, which, as I've always said, I agreed with it at the time. But then if you do that, then surely you've got to gear your football and your style around getting the maximum out of that player that you've just made a huge investment in. Because it feels like Arsenal have done the opposite. They've given him the contract. And then there's been like a a drifting, a, a parting between Mikel Arteta's philosophy And Pierre Emerick Aubameyang, and now they're a million miles apart from each other. We're not getting the best out of our striker, and out of our investment, and Aubameyang is not getting the best out of the team. So, it's um, it's a worry. But centre midfield is an area that needs improving as well. There's no doubt about that. Uh, For me, we need to get a centre midfielder in, even more so than an attacking midfielder, and we need to get a goalkeeper in. Those are the, you know, the the three positions I want to see addressed: goalkeeper, centre mid and attacking mid if we can get a right back in as well. Great. But I think that's maybe asking too much. Right. I think we are going to leave it there. Uh, We're going to be back, of course, tomorrow with some more reaction. We're going to be looking at the latest transfer news, all the big stories we'll be covering. them. there's been a lot of transfer rumours relating to the Arsenal uh, coming out over the weekend. So we're going to pick up on lots of them, including updates on Joe Willock, Lautaro Martinez, etc., and plenty, plenty more. So we'll dig into that in our transfer show uh, tomorrow. That's Monday. If you're listening via the audio platforms, we've only got 132 likes on the ball, but there is 402 of you watching us live on YouTube right this minute. Hit that like button. Let's get it up to 150 at least by the time the outro plays. I'll catch you all very soon. Um, don't stress too much. It was just a friendly It hurts because it was the North London derby. Yes, there are lots of concerns and lots of worries going into next Friday's opener, but keep the faith, or at least try to. Ciao. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.